Here's the pitch. Line drive, there it is! Into left field! Hit number 3,000! A run is scored! Musial ran first on his way to second with a double! Holy cow! Hey, Gibson is one strike away from the no-hitter. He takes off his cap. He mops his brow. He looks in and gets the sign. He starts to wind up. Here's the pitch, and it's a strike out! The no-hitter for Gibson! Smith corks one into right down the line. It may go! Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game by the score of 3-2, and a home run by the Wizard! Bring him on! What's up, Cardinals Nation? I'm Brad. And I'm Aaron. And we're live on Arch City Media tonight. Suter from the belt to the plate. A swing and a miss. And that's the winner. That's the winner. A World Series winner for the Cardinals. Left center, Bader. strikeout in the major leagues there he goes and Molina from his knees oh my wow hi I'm Miles Michaelis and you're listening to the Musial Suspects hey guys what's going on I'm Brad and I'm Aaron and like we said before we're live on Arch City Media we're the Musial Suspects uh, we are just now kind of working something out with uh, Mick here and hopefully we can make this more of a regular thing and hopefully you guys enjoy what we have to present to you tonight um so, first thing I want to get after, uh, Brandon here said, uh, great caption, let's get it together, STL. But that being said, we've had some very tough losses. This is true, and we're yeah. going to get into this tonight. So, uh, maybe some things that we could do different to ha- stop having tough losses and maybe give some other teams some tough losses. Yeah, that would be nice. Anyway, the other thing is, is too, I know the intro seems a little long, but that's not really... Um, we knew it's, we're just a two-man crew, and that gives us time to get the videos shared out and all that other stuff. So if you are the kind of person that you're ready for stuff right now, whenever we go live at 7 o'clock, if you give us uh, two minutes or so, you'll jump right in right at the right time, and everything will be going good, and it'll be a good time. So, Aaron, with that being said, why don't you go ahead and hit those social media plugs? Will do. So as you can see, you are visiting us here on Facebook, except normally we are on our own Facebook page, which is Facebook 
facebook.com slash the usual suspects or not the usual suspects just at usual suspects um if you go on facebook in the search and just put at usual suspects will be the first thing that pops up so you can find us on there um while you're here though if you haven't already give arch city media a like as well we've gone live uh with these guys before uh but Mick's giving us uh, giving us an opportunity to do that again, so we really appreciate that. So uh, give Arch City Media a like if you haven't already. Uh, I do some writing for Arch City Media as well. You may have seen some of the pieces I've written. I've talked a lot about uh, some of my more recent ones, uh, so feel free to go check those out. Um, and then you can visit us on uh, Patreon. We do have a Patreon set up, and I will throw the link uh, in the comments here in just a little bit, but... Uh, if you'd like to give it to us on Patreon, um, if you heard in the intro, right at the end, it just uh, Miles Michaelis gave us a little plug. I was actually able to go down to Florida, talk to him a little bit, and we actually were able to do an interview with Miles uh, just a few weeks back. And so anything you'd give to, give to us on Patreon, um, really all that would just go towards production costs, and it would just really go towards trying to do some more cool stuff like that, trying to get players on, cool Upgrading guests. Upgrading our computers. Yeah, things you know, like that. Like so that. so anything you'd give to us on Patreon, we would genuinely appreciate. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash mutual suspects. Like I said, I will throw that link in there in just a moment for you guys to visit that. Um, and then uh, as far as Twitter goes, we are on Twitter at mutual underscore suspects. Um, we've talked about it before. Somebody has the mutual suspects or mutual suspects already. It's very annoying. Uh, so we're mutual underscore suspects on Twitter, but find us on there. Um, we're pretty active on Twitter on our normal pages, but we're trying to keep up with it more on the podcast page as well. Uh, you can find myself at two birds on an arch. Um, the number two birds on an arch. Uh, I share a lot of different opinions about Cardinals baseball on there. I'll dive a little bit about the Blues. Let's go Blues. They've been killing it recently. It's been awesome. Um, can I get a Let's Go Blues in the chat? Can we get a few, actually? Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you can follow Arch City Media on Twitter as well, just at Arch City Media. Uh, they post all the same things that they had post on the Facebook page. A lot of that goes over to their Twitter site as well. So if you're more of a Twitter person, you follow them on there. You'll get some pretty great stuff. Uh, and then I will give it over to Brad to talk about his Twitter. For yeah, a you bit. can follow me on uh, at Range Brad on Twitter. Uh, I post about everything. I mean, it is across the board. Um, anything from sports to hockey to uh, well, hockey is sports, but anyway, anything from baseball to hockey to uh, current events, politics. Religion. I, I'm just all over the place. I even like posting dog videos. And if you are on Twitter and you're not following We Rate Dogs, you're doing it wrong. Anyway, uh, with that being said, let's go Blues. Uh, looking forward to getting a uh, uh, getting into the Stanley Cup. One went away at home tomorrow night, um, and I am not going to be able to watch the game because I have heart condition and I don't want to die. Anyway, just kidding. Uh, so Aaron, uh, what do you got? You ready? I see you posted the link there in the, in the I uh, sure chat. did. Okay. So they're still kind of in a slump and, uh, that's really annoying. <laughs> well, what is it? Is it four for their last 17 or they've last lost uh, their last five? Yeah, series? they were, they were three and nine, uh, during mm-hmm. our last show. That was the skid that they had been on. In between our and in between the last two shows, they were three and nine. Well, since the last show, they're two and four. 
So it's still not better. going great. It's better. It is better, but it is not good. It's it's definitely not going great. Uh, this past series at Texas was particularly annoying with the way that uh, it was handled at the end of the last game. Okay, um, I got to stop you here real quick. Sure. Uh, we've got a special guest in the chat, and I wasn't sure if it was or not, but uh, Ray King. So do you recognize the name, Ray King? I do. That is the Ray King, the former uh, Blues reliever, or uh, Blues, Cardinals reliever, lefty. Uh, so I feel uh, honored. What is up, Ray? <laughs> That's kind of cool, you know? Killing it. So, uh, um, Anyway, go on. I'm sorry. I stopped you, but I had to sure. get that shout yeah, yeah. out there. Um, so, yeah. So this past series against Texas was particularly frustrating. I was actually at a concert. Um, I believe it was Friday night. Sure. Let's go with Friday night. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure it was Friday night. Um, and it was the day that Michaelis started. And uh, that was a pretty rough go. Uh, I believe it was an inning and a third. Gave up seven earned runs. That's not ideal. Thankfully, the bullpen kind of, you know, kept us in it. But, you know, giving up that early seven runs really, yeah, really wrecked that game for us. Uh, you know, I, I will look at the start for Michaelis as a little bit of anomaly. Uh, if you if you look at his stats in Arlington, uh, he was a starter for Texas a few years back before he had his stint in Japan. He, he didn't have the best going. Uh, he didn't do the best while he was in Texas but only when he was actually in Texas. If you look at his home road splits as a starter, it was astronomically different. He was just not very good in Arlington. And unfortunately, having a couple years to go to Japan and then being with the Cardinals has not fixed that particular issue in ending in a third, seven earned runs. Yikes. It just was not going very well. So, Yeah. Thankfully, they pulled it out in game two. That was nice. Um, I got to watch that game from Top Golf in Chesterfield. So if you haven't been there, that's a great time. Go do that. <laughs> um, so I was able to watch that game. DeYoung had a great game. You know, I was able to you know tweet out my seemingly uh, every game Poly D for MVP. So that was nice. Yeah. Um, and then yesterday, my goodness, why, why was Jordan Hicks out there for three innings? Or why did you bring him back into well, the game in, for the third inning? Would you like to hear my theory on that? I, um, yeah, go for here's, it. Here's my theory. Mike Schilt got tossed. That's that's not a theory. An, that's a that's And you a had fact. an inexperienced uh, person at the helm. I mean, so to speak, in that sort of situation. You know, that's kind of like a worst-case scenario there. It's like your manager gets tossed early on in the game. You got to make decisions. And then yeah. all of a sudden, you just kind of, uh, you know get outside your head and sometimes you do things you, you, you wouldn't normally do. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely understand that viewpoint of it, but I mean, you would think that, you, right? But, you'd think like 90% of people would just be like, no, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just let him go too. I mean, I understand that he hasn't had a lot of work re recently. So, I mean, I get wanting to, you know, extend him a little bit and it, it, arguably he's been one of your best relievers. So of course you want your best guys out there, but I think going into the third straight inning was a little excessive with him. I would have put someone else out there in that particular situation. And then they bring in Carlos Martinez, who 
has been looking okay so far coming out of the bullpen, I think I would have maybe started the inning with him. Yeah. But the Cardinals don't pay me anything. Right. So and they aren't asking me my decision-making. Anyway. So it is what it is. But, you know, this is this skit has been going on for a rather long time. I believe it was the sixth, sixth straight series that the Cardinals have lost. And that's unfortunate. So would you like to hear a major leaguer's view on that? Yes, absolutely. So this is what Ray said. If, if you guys can't see it in the chat, he said that one's on the pitching coach. Uh, the only thing he can see is he went out for three. The, the only reason he went out for three is is trust of the bullpen. I guess you're suggesting that maybe they don't trust the other guys in the bullpen. Or they knew that he had an off day coming up today, yeah. which would like three innings wouldn't be a big deal because he'd have the rest day. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I would hope it's not the trust in the bullpen issue because you've got guys like, uh, to be fair, I don't remember who exactly pitched before that, but you've got really right now, uh, you've got four guys that I'm like, put them in whenever. And that's Brebbia, Gant, Hicks, and Carlos. Those four guys, I'm like, literally wherever. Miller has still not looked the best. Um, but even him, I would say, yeah, no, really, you can use him whenever. So there's really only been a couple issues recently with the bullpen, and you've kind of addressed them. You got rid of, uh, you got rid of Gregerson. You sent Leon down. Yeah, Leon got sent down. Helsley's been brought up. I think I would probably agree more with the idea that they had an off day today. So they were already building in extra rest for him. So they were going to try to push him. Yeah, that makes a little that makes more sense to me because I think you've got enough guys in your bullpen that you should trust. I'm, and I'm, if they don't trust them, I don't know why. I think it's more of a, a trust issue because three innings is a lot for any closer. And that's what Jordan Hicks is for you. He's your closer. Yeah. And so, like he was saying, is there's no back end to it. I mean, who's your guy after Jordan Hicks? Carlos. Carlos Martinez, which isn't a bad guy, but, you know, he's been up with the club how long now? Uh, a couple days. Yeah. So maybe that's not, like, right at the forefront of your brain. I don't know. I wasn't there. I wasn't in the uh, – I wasn't in uh, 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 Maddox's head. I don't know what was going on. So None of us have really been in Maddox's head <laughs> over the past couple of years, to be fair. So. But it, the pitching hasn't been awful, I guess. Hudson's been looking better, which is nice. You know, he really – to say that he struggled at the beginning of the year would be an understatement. It was it was pretty bad. I – you've heard me before. I was never a huge fan of Dakota Hudson in the rotation, so seeing him perform better recently has put my mind a, a bit more at ease. Mm -hmm. But I I – I just have this feeling that uh, that Alex Reyes is going to end up taking over his spot in the rotation, which is another talking point that that I want us to address. Is that Carlos or not Carlos Martinez? Carlos Martinez is in the bullpen. They've made that clear. Yeah. But uh, there are reports coming out that Alex Reyes is set to rejoin the Cardinals in mid June, but they said in the rotation. So who's the odd man out? And even though Hudson has been pitching better lately, I still think he's probably the guy. Well, does Hudson have options left? Yup. There you go. 
Um, here's here's uh, something, too, that's kind of been frustrating with me, too. So after every game you or after every series, you post out the series stats. And, I do. And, and at the end of the series, it tends to look like the Cardinals are pretty much even with whoever they're playing. Or maybe even the offensive numbers would suggest that they've been a little bit better, but they lose two out of three. Well, the, uh, the one, issue, at least in the last couple series before Texas, was that they had that really huge right. run outburst in one game where they score 17 runs or 14 runs. This one's was this last series was a little bit closer in that both teams had a game where they won by a few runs and then the Cardinals game and then the last game that they lost they only lost by one. So it's been yeah, at least better. Um yeah, and I think that might be indicative of of inconsistent well, I, it's definitely indicative of inconsistency. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the things that I always kind of like I uh um one of the things that's a big post there. I'll have to go back and read this after I finish this thought. But um, one of the things that I, I, I worry about sometimes is, is getting too hung up on the numbers. If that mm-hmm. makes sense, you know, uh, on base percentage. Op- uh, what is it? OPS on base plus slugging. Yeah. OPS um, batting average, all these other things, they can kind of sometimes muddy the water. Cause one of the, what, what can happen is, is, is you can have a really good batting average, but have a really high Zenith. And I believe the the opposite of zenith is called the nadir. I think is how it's it. So you, rather than having a you know, and then your average is just runs through the middle. So for example, if you live in Hawaii, Hawaii has the same average temperature as pretty much St. Louis if you look at it. Yeah. But it gets way hotter here and way colder here, and that's kind of how I feel like St. Louis's batting bat bat is. Yeah, their bats are. It's really good. Or it's really frustrating, and there's not a lot of that mid uh, middle of the road consistency. And and like you, like I said, and I'm sure they have a lot of different metrics to look at. But if you just start looking at averages and and those sorts of things, you can kind of get stuck up. Or, uh, uh, you can kind of get stuck in that that rut, and and maybe fool yourself into thinking you're going to win more games than you actually are. You know. Um, but anyway, what Ray said was is when you have a lot of new pitchers, they have to try to find their place in the pen. When your sixth or seventh inning guy pitching the eighth or ninth is different, you have to define the spot. So when he was there, he knew his role as a sixth through eighth inning lefty on lefty, and then they used Taveras to Izzy each night. So they would get Ray, uh, get Ray. Is it all right if I call you Ray, or should I call you Mr. King? But they would have <laughs> him come in, get that key lefty out, and then Taveras would come in, and then Taveras would care. Uh, I think it was Julian Taveras, right? That sound right? Yeah. He also broke right. his hand punching something. I remember that. It um, and then they get it to Isringhausen, and Isringhausen would basically yeah. shut it down. So yeah, that's that's good stuff. And uh, I do want to say this, uh, Ray. If uh, we have the ability to take phone calls, I don't have my wires hooked up now. But if you ever want to get with um, get with Mick and get some phone numbers going, we would love to have you call in and be a guest on the show. I think that would be really really cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so kind of going with what Ray said there, what kind of roles legitimately would you put on some of these guys in the bullpen? You've got, you know, you've got a couple guys that you that at least for right now, it seems like they're more in there for mop-up duty, like guys like Gallegos. But then for me, I would like to see more of a defined role for a guy like Brebia, who this is now his third season coming out of the pen, and he's pitching well, mm-hmm. like he has the last couple of years. So, do you think that a guy like Brebia could be a guy that they can rely on 
in the back end of the bullpen. Um, early on in the offseason, I actually wrote a piece for Arch City talking about that, and I, it, I thought it would be a great idea to have Brebbia try to be the quote-unquote closer because I thought there was there were going to be opportunities for Hicks to get uh, saves. However, um, for uh, for Hicks to really define his role as a closer, I thought that he was going to need to really work on his strikeout numbers, work on his walk numbers, and work on his control. And so far, he's done that. So having him right now closing is not hurting my feelings. I'm not saying you should... Uh, yeah, I'm not saying that you should take... Hicks out of that role and throw in a guy like Brebbia, but I think Brebbia should be given consideration in the back end, especially if a guy like Hicks has to be used for two or three innings at a time. Um, and then even Gant, you know, I think Gant has been way better than advertised. Uh, you know, I was personally a guy that would have liked to see Gant over Hudson in the rotation, but I understand why they're probably not going to make that particular move now True, because Gant has just flourished in the bullpen. So I'm kind of leave him there. Um, it's, it's odd though, because a guy like Gant can give you multiple innings, but I don't think that his stuff should be used as like a multi-inning guy because the starter can't go longer. I think he could be a back end type of guy too. I think you've got guys that can do it. I think you really do. I think Brebbia, Gant, Hicks, and Martinez could be back-end type of guys. But because the bullpen doesn't really have any defined roles other than maybe Hicks, it's kind of up in the air. So having Carlos Martinez in there, and this is what uh, Tom, Thomas said. He said he'd like to see Seamart take the eighth inning and Hicks as a closer. But if you think about that, you've got Gant, who's been pitching well, Brebbia, who's been pitching well. I'm, you know, Carlos Martinez is going to pitch well. I'm, you yeah, know, I, you know, he's I, got too much talent not he's, to. He's pretty reliable, and he seems to to thrive in that role. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Hicks, who's been pitching well. That shortens a game way up. It should. Uh, so, but what has to happen is they have to jump on top of a team and get a lead. Mm-hmm. You know, and if that's the case, and you don't, you know, uh, uh, Miller is a good pitcher, and I, I'm just not sure what's going on here right now with him, but. Uh, uh, the, uh, he'll get it worked out. I'm sure he'll be there. Uh, he'll be that key guy. He get both lefties and righties out and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so anyway, that's a good point, Thomas. And I, and I like that you brought that up. Uh, this team, the thing that I think that's, what's frustrating about the teams right, right now so far is, is they look, uh, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll send you, I'll, I'll send you an email there, Ray, and, uh, we'll get, we'll get together that that'll be really fun. That'll be really exciting actually. Um, but that's kind of the thing that's really frustrating with, uh, this team is, is that there's so much potential there and it just seems like they're not getting traction for whatever reason. I don't, I'm not sure what it is. Yeah. It's been kind of rough and, and you know, there have been guys on the team who have performed rel- relatively well, but kind of get overshadowed by, you know, the rest of the lineup going cold. So yeah. you got, you know, you've got a guy like uh like Harrison Bader, he's finally gotten some playing time here recently. He's had a couple really good games in a row. And that's kind of overshadowed by them giving up a lead at the end of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And that sucks because, you know, he played well. Yeah, he's he's trying to compete for playing time and I get it. The outfield right now is crowded it is very crowded it's unfortunately crowded you got four 
guys who have been very good in their own ways. You've yeah. got Bader with incredibly good defense. Best defense out of those group, out of that group. You've got Jose Martinez, who's the best contact hitter in that group. Right. You've got Marcelo Zuna, who's the best power hitter out of that group. And, and you've got is. Dexter Fowler, who's the best guy in that group to get on base. And and Dexter those, Fowler is kind of like that all around guy. He would be yeah. he would be your most complete yeah, his, outfielder. So there. far right now, he technically is. According to Ed uh, according to War, he has been the most productive one of those four. But what's funny is number two is Bader. Yeah. Because even in his limited playing time, because when he is playing, it seems like he is he is producing in some kind of way. His batting average isn't as high as people want it to. But if people came into the season think he was going to be a 280 hitter, I don't know what to tell you. He's probably going to be a 240 to 260 guy, maybe 15 to 25 homer range. He'll he'll probably steal you 20 to 25 bases if he can get base stealing opportunities. And he's going to give you gold glove level defense. That's going to be him. He's not going to be a 330 guy. It's just, it's not going to happen. Right. But when you've got guys like Jose Martinez hitting 315 to 330, you got guys like Marcelo Zuna that's going to hit 30 something bombs. And you got a guy like Fowler right now who's getting on base over 40% of the time. It's tough to get playing time, especially when you go down and get hurt for a little while. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, and that's kind of, kind of it. It's like, you know, you were talking about war with uh, Fowler being first and then Bader for all of his offensive woes that he's had this year being second. That 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 speaks to his defense. But yeah. if you think about the great offensive year that Jose Martinez has been having and his war is not higher than Harrison Bader's, it tells you a little bit something about his defense, which is unfortunate. Yeah, Ho- Jose and Marcel both if, have really suffered when it comes to their defense. Now, right now at least of late, you've had a lot of offensive struggles, so you kind of have to put the better hitters right in right now. But Bader's trying to make a case for himself because the last few times he's been put out there, he's hit pretty well. Yeah. So it, uh, I would not want to be the manager right now trying to make these decisions because you legitimately have four very capable guys for three spots. Yeah. And, you know, and you bounce it around, you think about it, well, what are some things you could do? Well, I think getting... Uh, defensive substitutions in late with Bader, uh, giving, oh, yeah. giving each of the outfielders a rest with Bader and you know, that sort of thing. And then if you, even, even if you go deeper and you think about who's waiting in the wings and triple a, you've got, um, uh, Lane Thomas and, uh, am I saying that right? Lane, it's Lane, Lane Thomas. Thomas. Yep. Yeah. He's the outfielder. And you've got, uh, Tyler O'Neill down there. Both of those guys could be capable outfielders. So there's just a lot, of that sort of thing. But yeah, like, like Thomas said here, he would love to see. And so would I, I would love to see some sort of rotation and get him into the game. Uh, you can keep him regular. You can get him in late. That would keep him in, uh, keep him in and keep him rolling. Keep, keep, you know, everybody's comfortable. Every, nobody's begging for at bats, you know? And one of the things that's kind of impressed me too, is if you watch him, you know, Bader's been playing this game when he comes in late to play defense with Fowler and and and, and Martinez, and you know, and he's like joking with them, like who's going to be out? And you yeah. know, they're both standing out there looking. That's a good sign. That's a that's a sign of good uh, good chemistry. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's something that's something that's been good from the start of the season. That's I don't think that's ever really wavered. Is that the team chemistry and the vibe going around the clubhouse has, for the most part, always been good. It's been positive, which is nice. 
Zach, you're not off topic. We're all thinking that in the back of our heads anyway. Oh, don't. Yeah, yeah don't you, worry. Th- we actually asked for it earlier in the in the in the show. So yeah, very very early on, that was one of the uh, first things that we talked about. There's, so don't don't feel there's weird. No reason to apologize for being a blues fan. Um, yeah, we were we were actually talking about the blues at work, and it, or well, actually no, it was it was uh, Jessica and I were at this concert, and it was before the the blues game started, and. Uh, we're standing outside the venue, and there's some people talking about the blues. And they were like, oh, you know, I really hope they go in there tonight and pull out a win. And I'm like, well, yeah, they're going in pissed. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, they just man. had that hand, uh, that that non-call against them. I'm like, they're going in there mad. Yeah, they were very like, angry. I'm sure, I'm sure during the, uh, the interviews and the pregames and stuff, they're probably trying to brush it off. But I've got a feeling they were going in there going, no, we're winning this game. Yeah, I forget. 100%. Somebody... Oh, one of the guys I follow on Twitter, you know, it's kind of like, you know, Big Rig Maroon is what is what is yeah, yeah. on Twitter. But he said that that, you know, he was listening to what they were saying and he goes, he really likes what he's hearing from these guys because they sound like they're they're not angry, but it's causing. And I was like, galvanized is the word you're looking for. This yep. team is galvanized yep. and they're ready to go. So we're going to get get a little blues talk in here because uh, I'm a huge hockey fan. And oh, my goodness, how great would it be? to uh, get a get into the Stanley Cup final, but B, to have a shot at, at hoisting Lord Stanley's Cup over your head. I mean, that would just be You guys don't even know what that parade would be like in, in St. Louis, and, and we would show out for that. I know I would be over there at it. So anyway, Zach, don't, don't, don't ever apologize for being a Blues fan. Yeah, absolutely. So just to kind of get back to some of the topics, like uh, uh, one thing that's still positive is uh, – Paul DeYoung's still playing really well. <laughs> this is good. It has not really cooled off like, much. Like, I'm hoping that this is what we're going to see. Like, this is who he's going to be as a player. Oh, if this is who, like, if this is who he's going to be as a player long term, man, we got to steal with his contract. Yes, we did. Um, you know, he's, he's currently tied for second in Major League Baseball uh, in war, according to Fangraphs. He is tied with Mike Trout, and he is only trailing Cody Bellinger. Yeah, that's good company to be. You know in. what? You you might get he might get some MVP votes. I mean, if there's that was, anything that I, was the prediction, right? Yeah, with my some votes. my well, my prediction is that he would finish in the top five for the NL MVP voting. Um, any of you guys currently watching, you may remember I wrote I've written I wrote two pieces about D Young early on in the offseason. I wrote one in October. Uh, claiming that he could be an impact player moving forward going into 2019. And I did a lot of comparisons uh, to Trevor Story of Colorado based on uh, the numbers that they had put up in their first and second years. I thought they were alarmingly similar, and I thought that legitimately, if you put those two players next to each other, they they line up really well with their mm-hmm. skill set. So I was like, if DeYoung can have that kind of third-year rebound like Story did, Good things could be uh, coming our way. And uh, I got mixed reviews for <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah, you, did. you got but some I wrote, hate mail for that, I wrote that, that too. back in October, though, after, like right after the season ended. I wrote that back in October, so it's been a minute since yeah. I wrote that one. And then back in January, uh, I decided to up the ante a little bit. Uh, you can go back to that piece in October. I put some projections down there on the bottom saying, I think, I think this could be the type of year that DeYoung has. And I thought the numbers were good. Um, But then the more I thought about it, you know, I'm like, you know, 
I think I don't remember if we had gotten Goldschmidt at this point. I think we did. Yeah, I think we had acquired Goldschmidt. And I was like, you know what? If if they play this right and he gets up to the top of the order, I was thinking he would hit second. And I thought it would be Carpenter, DeYoung, Goldschmidt. I was like, if he could hit second in, bet- in between Carpenter oh, yeah. and Goldschmidt. That's what I thought, too. I was like, you could have an MVP candidate on your oh, hands. Absolutely. And so that was where I was kind of like, okay. What would he what would he have to do to to get MVP consideration? And so I looked at some of the past MVP uh, winners as well as some of the top five finishers. And so I kind of compiled all that, looked at what his career numbers were. And I'm like, okay, where do these numbers need to go in order for a top five finish to occur? And so I, I did a bunch of stuff and I was like, okay, well, his walk rate would need to go up even more, which it had from his rookie season to his second season. Um, and his strikeout rate would also need to improve pretty significantly, uh, which it, it did uh, from year to year. So I was like, okay, if both of those numbers can continue to go into the right direction and he gets a full season, he should be able to showcase his power numbers because he's already shown it. But in both both his first and second years, he only had about 400 to 450 at-bats. So if he can have a full 600 type of A-B season, those numbers are going to look a lot better. Uh his second year, he was he had really great numbers for sh- uh, at shortstop uh, defensively. So I was like, I think he's going to be able to improve on that even more. And so far this season, he has. And it's like if all these things can go right, I think DeYoung could probably finish in the top five. I yeah. didn't want to say finish first. I thought uh, DeYoung finishing in the top five was already mm-hmm. pretty bold, all things considered. Yeah. And uh, – so far, it's going really, really yeah. well. Well, you know, let's let's. I mean, for for his sake, I hope that he keeps keeps going. You know, oh yeah, I me mean, too. It's, it's been. I mean, St. Louis has been looking for that shortstop. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, since Ozzy Smith. I mean, David Eckstein. Yeah, yeah. You know, Edgar Renteria is pretty good. Yeah, um, but we really we really haven't had like that dude. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, so far it's going great. You know, there's still a lot of baseball to be played. He hasn't done quite as well in the month of May as he did in April, but it's not like he's slouching. I'm still, I last time I checked, he was still batting like 295 uh, in the month of May with like a near 900 OPS. So he's still playing well. He's gotten more RBIs recently, which has been nice. The guys in front of him have been getting on base. Mm-hmm. That's one thing that's killed him. Like his stats look good. But Carpenter and Goldschmidt have not exactly been off to stellar, they they have like not. stellar starts. And if those guys could get that figured out and get on base in front of DeYoung, and DeYoung keeps doing what he is doing, holy cow! Like those numbers look even better. Yeah, and so one of the things I'd I'd love for for you to look at because you you that you're the this kind of guy that likes yeah. doing this kind of digging. Um, I have never gotten an up close view of, of Paul Goldschmidt with him having played in Arizona. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of know you you know the name, you know he's good. But, you know, like now that you see him play every day, it kind of changes like, you know, him better. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious. Is he one of those hot and cold kind of hitters or is he like a fairly consi- uh, consistent guy? Does he like heat up in June? You know, what's going on? Uh, with he this? definitely did last year. Last year, his start was similar to Carpenter's and mm-hmm. that it was really, really bad. Mm-hmm. But then he turned it around and by the end of the year it was close yeah. to his career numbers. Um, I will say this. I do find it funny. The amount of people going, oh, Goldschmidt strikes out a lot like. Yeah, he's done that his whole career. Yeah. He's like a 25% strikeout kind of guy. And uh, kind of 
early on in the season, people were talking about why Paul DeYoung shouldn't be in the three hole. And it was only a, like a few games into the season before he really started heating up. I'm like, oh, DeYoung strikes out too much to be in the three hole. But those same people would say Goldschmidt needs to be in the three hole. And I'm like, you do realize that their strikeout percentage numbers over the past two seasons have been almost identical. So if you're going to throw DeYoung under the bus for striking out too much, you do have to realize that you, those you strikeouts be, are going to be coming with Goldschmidt as well. You have to, yeah, you have to be intellectually consistent. Yeah, you have to understand um, that that is also going to be the case. But I do understand that Goldschmidt has a career track record of putting up consistent offensive numbers over DeYoung. So one, I want to get to this real quick. Uh, Justin mm-hmm. McCoriel, I think is how you say it. Justin M. Coriel. So he wants to know if we think that Molina will be a, a gold glover this year. Um, here's Possibly. my thing about, yeah, I mean, he's definitely going to be in the running. Here's my thing about, about gold glove. It's, it's as much a popularity contest as it is, um, you know, it's more about being the best player at your position, not necessarily the best defensive player at your position. Anymore. Yeah. It's kind of like a positional MVP award. Kind of. Yeah. I, and, 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 and I remember that really annoyed us last season because, so many people were like, oh, Javier Baez should win the Gold Globe over Colton Wong. And I'm like, but no. why? But because why? He, because he hit 300 as opposed to 250? Like, what does that matter? Like, the so, best defender right. sh- is Wong. Granted, Wong didn't win either, but at least yeah. LeMahieu had better numbers than Baez did. Well, and, and I guess I guess to answer that question, one of the things that I'm getting at is, is with Yadier Molina it's really going to depend on what this team does and how he fits into this team. Yeah. I mean... You and I know, I mean, if you're a Cardinals fan, you and I know that Yadier Molina is instrumental to this team. He is, he is vital. You, what he does with the pitching staff, what he does with the young guys, you know, how yeah. it works, you know, the, he's kind of, he's the heart and soul of the team in a way. He's also the brain of the team in a way. He's like a second on-field manager. If you've watched enough games, you've seen him, him and Schilt will be standing on the, on the fence there at the dugout and they'll be talking over what they want to do in the next inning, which is really cool to see. Um, He's he's indispensable as a cardinal. Uh, the question is is will the national media recognize that? Because that's really what's going to come down to. So if the Cubs yeah. have a really good year, and is is it Wilson Contreras? Is he there uh, for Chicago? Yeah, yeah. Wilson if, Contreras. If he has a pretty good year, but the Cubs have a really good year, they're going to lean toward him just because the team is doing better, and you know, national media coverage and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. So uh, that's the thing, which is annoying, and it, it is super annoying. And I and I would love to see some consistency in the media. You know, let's actually look at these players. Let's not just you know, uh, and and you're supposed to be that way. Uh, Mick was telling me this weekend we played softball together, and yeah, let me tell you what, he is a lot of fun. I really like Mick. So yeah, uh, we played softball this weekend. He came and filled in. Thank you, Mick, for that. Um, we didn't win the championship, but we got pretty close, which was a lot of fun. It's always good. Um. But uh, he was telling me that, like, when you're in the booth, you're not supposed to react. You know, you're just kind of supposed to you're not really supposed to be a fan and all that other stuff, which is, you know, I get that if you're if you're supposed to be covering from a neutral viewpoint. But at the same time, so like like an ESPN reporter, I would expect them not to react. However, a a, a Fox Sports sport, uh, a Fox Sports reporter, I would expect them not to react. A Fox Sports Midwest reporter covering the Cardinals. And that's their job is to cover the Cardinals. They're kind of the hometown guys. I want to see emotion. Uh, who was it when the Blues won the, uh, I cannot think of the guys' names, the two guys in the booth calling the game for KMOX. Yeah. Those guys 
they react whenever the Blues do well. And it's really cool. I like that. As a, as a fan, as a home team fan, I, I yeah. like to have that. But I also want to see national media, like, good coverage. Does that make sense? Yeah. Anyway, wanted to, I just wanted to get that in there. I, I don't even know what got us up there. Oh, we were talking about Yadier Molina. But yeah, Justin, you're right. He is. He is a beast. I mean, and Patty, you're right. They do have a really good thing going with the young Wong and Goldschmidt. Um, uh, yeah, talking about gold clubs, I mean... You, you got Wong and Young that should be in, up for consideration for gold gloves as well. I mean, uh, I'll bring it back to the last Chicago series because, you know, that went well. They, it was so funny. I loved it when they were talking about Javier Baez being a platinum glove contender because if you look at all the metrics, you know who's kind of right there? Paul DeYoung. Yeah. Like and I and you know I've got people on Twitter saying I've got like a total man crush on Paul DeYoung. I do, but that's mostly because of like my projections. Let's, and if those pan out, honest, I'm going to be flipping some tables. Who doesn't have a man crush on Paul DeYoung? More like Paul DeYum. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I <laughs> nailed it. Okay, I'm going to mute your mic now. That's fine. But moving <laughs> on. Uh, but I, legitimately, I think Paul DeYoung might be the most overlooked and underrated player in Major League Baseball. He does not get talked about. Fun fact. I don't I think we talked about this last week, but the first like all-star voting came out and it was just like, oh, this is who should be playing in the all-star starting for the all-star game if it was voted for today. And then it gets to shortstop for the National League and it says Javier Baez. And then the first sentence is Apologies to Paul DeYoung, but Baez is just like that guy. He's just like he's the one you want to watch. And I'm like but he's not been the best shortstop. And if, and that annoys me so much. It's like they're, they're acknowledging it. Like apologies to Paul DeYoung. You know why? Because Paul DeYoung should probably be there. But I think the national media is in love with guys like that. That's why the, the, that's why they're so enamored with guys like Bryce Harper. They're enamored with guys like Manny Machado is that they make headlines. They're, they they go a little above and beyond. They're flashy when and, things and to, happen. And to be fair, and you've got guys like you know, like Mike Trout is hands like like hands above like so far better. Like that he he is up here. Everyone else is down here. And yet I don't hear as much about Mike Trout as I do like guys like Harper. You know why? Because he plays the game the right way and just goes on about his life. Yeah. Um. And and, and to be fair to them and. Flashy plays, headlines, they move newspapers. It wasn't they, weird, Terry. Leave it alone. They, they, uh, yeah, Mick agrees. That's, nah, it's, that's it's not, though. It is weird. No, anyway, it was great. anyway, what I'm getting at is, 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 is players like that that sell headlines, you know, it's, it's the equivalent of clickbait. It gets people to click, it gets people traffic, it gets, it gets you, and which develops revenue. So if yeah. you don't know, if you don't know how media works, they get revenue. F- through ads and the more people that view your media, the more uh, exposure you get and the more people would want to buy ad space on you. That's how like, whether it's, you know, CNN or, you know, uh, I don't know the usual suspects. Whenever people give you clicks that boosts your status. And that means that more people see what the other people are trying to sell. And so they can sell ad space on there. So you can actually make money by having that. So if, if you are, like hyping these guys who get people excited or who make exciting plays, they're going to get you, they're going to generate more clicks. So that's going to get 
the media to cover them better. And that's it's unfortunate because then guys like Trout kind of well, Trout's kind of a hard case because he's so good that it's really hard to see him skate under the radar. Yeah. But you definitely don't hear about him as often as you do uh, Machado or Harper. Um, but that's why guys like Trout and DeYoung, they kind of slide under the radar because yeah. it just they just kind of do. Yep. They just do. Um, anyway. So that was like a really long way of saying Paul DeYoung for MVP. <laughs> yeah. Like, but... In all honesty, everyone watching, don't expect there to be another article from me anytime soon upping the ante going, no, Paul DeYoung's going to win the MVP. No, no, no. I'm sticking it where uh, I'm sticking it at top five. Okay, you're going to stay at top five. Yeah, it's going to be top five. I'm not going to say that he's going to win because right now it's going to be pretty hard to catch Bellinger's production. It's been Bellinger's been having a year. It's been ridiculous. Now I'm not saying it can't happen, but um, I'm not hitting right now. You, I'm on you know 19. You know what's you know we'll what's see if the dealer kind of crazy about it. And that's and you know it's like what Ray King said earlier. Mm-hmm. Baseball has its peaks and valleys. Yeah. You know, every one of those players is one bad month away from just falling out. Wrecking it. Yeah, falling out of uh, the MVP. And every one of those players is uh uh just one great month from jumping up into the, to the mix into the talk. Yeah. So, uh, Mike, are you talking about the major league baseball hall of fame or the Cardinals hall of fame? Cause I thought we already did the Cardinals hall of fame. Yeah. I'm not entirely sure. Uh, I, I'm gonna be honest with you, Mike. I haven't even thought about that. I don't know. Uh, my heart says yes, but I don't, you know, without looking at it some more, I couldn't, I couldn't give you an honest answer. Right. Um, but that, that's a really good question and I'm not afraid of saying, Oh, yeah. <laughs> what do you think? Do you think he'll make it? I mean, I'm not going to complain if he does. That's yeah, that'd sure. be cool for sure. But I'm not, I, I don't think I'm a hundred percent sure of that either. And what else do you have on the, uh, Oh, a Cardinals hall of fame. Izzy should definitely be a Cardinals hall of famer, but I thought they already oh, did yeah. the Cardinals hall of famer. Um, or my, Am I wrong? I think he is, but let's double check. Aaron's going to look that up. Uh, do you have anything else on the uh, the thing? That was actually it. That was everything? Yeah. Well, we got about uh, 15 minutes, so let's take, I don't know, if you guys have any questions you want to ask or anything like that, uh, by all means, ask away. I, my computer just froze. <laughs> I'm sorry. Interesting. Hey, are we still muted? Yeah, is okay. yeah, Isringhausen is in the Cardinals Hall of Fame as yeah. of April. So Isringhausen made it. So uh, to answer your question, yes. Whoa, what happened here? I've lost like all these, all these things. Huh. All right, I'm gonna reload the page on. Uh, oh, there he goes. There he is. Okay, so I lost some of that stuff. Uh, don't wanna. I'm not ignoring you guys. I, like I said, you know, the Patreon thing, it's up, it's up higher in the chat. Uh, this computer is from 2008. I bought it when I started college. And uh, good grief, I'm, I'm really proud of it because that makes it 11 years old. Well, there you go. And she's still chugging along. Good old little thing. Um, anyway, uh, shout out to Old School Max. 
Uh, yeah, here's the thing, though. If that, that that's not running if that's an HP. Yeah, or a PC. As like I said, old that's old school gonna... Macs. I'm not sure that the new Macs have the longevity, and I just can't afford to buy one. I mean, I've found I don't know how many from like 2008 to 2012. They're still like killing it. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, that's cool. And you mean I don't have to spend twenty five hundred dollars? Yeah. Now, and to be fair, I put I put I upgraded some of the hardware, like the solid state drive and some extra RAM and stuff like that. So still. Uh, but yeah, it's, she's still chugging along. So, uh, with that being said, you want to ro- you want to close her out? Yeah, I mean, I think so. I mean, the only real thing to talk about is, uh, well, the ro- we've got the Royals coming up. Oh yeah, let's talk about the upcoming. We'll talk series. about that for a minute. <clears throat> so, as soon as this guy wants to load, uh, we we're playing two games against Kansas City. Uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday. Okay. Who on we Tuesday, going? it's Michael Waka against Homer Bailey. Homer Bailey. That'll get the offense going. And then uh, on Wednesday, we have Adam Wainwright against Brad Keller. Who's if that? we don't sweep the Royals, <laughs> this is just not good. Yeah. The Royals are currently 16 and 31. We're 24 and 23. Don't play down to your competition this week. I cannot deal with it. I made a tweet not very long ago. I still think it holds up. It was very funny. I'm very... Like, I try to be a rather positive person. And I do think that this team has an immense amount of talent. Mm -hmm. And I think... Like, I am excited about what they could potentially do this season. You saw how great they started out. They're in a bit of a rut, but they could easily do that again, you know? You'd like a little bit more consistency, but... This team is very good, and they could do great things. But and so I'm excited about that. But I'm also at the point where I'm ready to flip a table and shout obscenities because of the inconsistencies. That's that's exactly the point. You know, we all know how good this team could be. And if this team ever just started hitting on, they'd run away with the central. It'd be great one. They 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 could absolutely run away with the central if everybody started hitting. Um, and it's not like it's out of reach. I mean, we're only four and a half back. Not offensively hitting, but hitting on all cylinders. Yeah. Uh, if the team started playing the way that we know that they're capable of, it would be awesome. It's kind of like the Blues were at the beginning of the year. You knew that they could be good because you saw sparks of it. And then just in January, they put it all together, and holy cow, Katie bar the door because here they yeah. come. So, I mean, right now we're four and a half back of Chicago in the Central, and we're one and a half back of the wild card. It's, we're not out we're of not it. We're not out of it. Just we're in this. Like, please. Let's just take the step that we need and a move forward. This this series against Kansas City could really help to get them in the right direction because then you get to face the Braves again. Fun fact, you lost two or three of the Bra- to the Braves last week. Now you're at home. Let's win two of three. Or better yet, let's just sweep them. Let's get a five-game winning streak coming up, coming on, and then we can go to Philadelphia and play there too. So... I was watching this. We had a guy from Wisconsin give us a shout out earlier. We had a guy from Alabama. Nice. That's pretty cool. Um, all right. So one one question here uh, from sure. Mike, and he wants to know who is your guys, who is our favorite player of all time, and why? Okay. So I, I'm I w- assuming. I'll like, are you meaning just Cardinals or just like? Well, it doesn't matter. They're the same for me. Okay. Um, but yeah, if if you want to put that in there while I'm answering, so Aaron knows, uh, that'd be awesome. Uh, but my f- my favorite player of all time 
is kind of like a tie. It's a tie between Ozzie Smith and uh, Stan Musial. Uh, and I'll tell you why for both of them. So the reason I really like Ozzie Smith was, and, and uh, Mick and I were talking about this this weekend because he was talking about a player who wouldn't sign at a AAA uh, stadium. But That's really stupid. Yeah. I went down when I was probably three, four years old. I barely remember it, but I remember watching this happen. I went down to spring training, and, you know, when I was three or four years old, it was like primetime Ozzie Smith career time, right? Uh, he says it doesn't matter, so cool. go ahead. Uh, so uh, it's primetime Ozzie Smith time, and so anyway, we go up, and they kind of just, I, I feel like they just had a yellow rope kind of dividing the players from the fans and stuff like that, and so my dad takes us over there, and, and or us being me and my mom, because I don't, and my, I think my brother was like two. Um, but we go over there, and... Uh, he, he, you know, Jim Lindemann was playing for the Cardinals and he broke a bat and that bat broke and it was just laying over there. And, and I kind of looked at the bat and I was like, what do they do with those and stuff like that? And my dad's like, oh, they usually just throw them away. I was like that, you know, and I'm thinking I want it if it, you know, you know, it's kind of how my little brain was working. It's like, no, I want a bat. And so my dad just yells out, hey, Ozzy, we want to get this guy a bat. Can you help us out? Ozzy Smith picked up the bat. He said, Sure. He autographed the bat. He goes, do you want anybody else to sign it? And he looked at me. You know who I said? I said, Jack Clark, you know, because I really like Jack Clark, too. So Ozzie Smith signed my bat. Jack Clark signed that bat. That bat is hanging in my man cave right now over my TV. And I have been a lifelong fan of Ozzie Smith since then. And not only that, he is a great player. But just the way he interacts with people and the way that he did it. He won me when I was four years old because he signed a baseball bat for me that nobody wanted. And I wanted it. So that's why Ozzie Smith is number one. But as I've grown up and matured and I've learned more about Stan Musial and who he was as a person and what kind of player he was, I have absolutely got the utmost respect. And he just kind of, he's, he's the kind of guy that you aspire to be. Um, I forget what the post was. Uh, um, so Yadier Molina passed somebody on the all-time doubles list on Sunday. And they threw the numbers up there. And Albert Pools had, I think it was like 455 home runs or doubles as a Cardinal. And Stan Musial had 726. And one of the things, I posted this on Twitter. I was like, so as good as Albert Pujols was as a Cardinal, Stan Musial had uh, 726 home runs. Or doubles. Doubles. And that means that he had, and at, this was at the time, he had as many doubles. Okay, so... The, the spread between him and Albert Pujols was the same amount of doubles that Matt Carpenter, who is a doubles machine, has in his career. Yeah. Stan Musial is underrated, one of the best baseball players of all time. And, and that's why yep. I like him. But not only that, like he was he was one of the guys like when Jackie Robinson came, he was one of the guys that kind of really welcomed them in. Uh, word is that he was really trying to push Jackie or uh, trying to push uh, the Cardinals organization to integrate the leagues before uh, 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 I can't even think of his name now. Uh, the guy who brought Jackie into the Dodgers organization. Oh, why is that? That bothers me. But anyway, just just kind of the who he was, you know, he, like they said, baseball's perfect night. You know, what a guy a super cool guy. So anyway, those are my two favorite. And it's like, I can't really tell you who who is is better than the other one. So, right. I hope that answers your question, Mike. Go ahead, Aaron. So so I've got it's like weirdly like three. And they're all like in their own weird different ways. Um, so I guess a, a recent one 
uh, guy that I really liked was Brand Kyle. Tricky. No. Thank you, Terry. Yeah. That <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> was, uh, was uh, Kyle Loesch, played for the Cardinals. I just thought that he was a really underrated pitcher for the Cardinals. I didn't think he got a lot of respect when he, he was in the organization. Or run support. That, too. Um, and so I just – I really liked the way he pitched uh, uh, while he was with, with the team. I thought he was – like I said, I thought he was a very underrated guy. Um, and so I always, you know, I was one of those people that, you know, really pushed for him. I was like, you know, I want to say it was 2012. He, he had a phenomenal year, went like 16 and three, 280 RA. And I didn't get much of a look. And I was just like, why is he not like, he just had a phenomenal year. And so I was, I was kind of one of those guys that like every time he had a great start, I was just like, yeah, take it MLB. He's great. Uh, of course, he didn't. He wasn't in the Cardinals organization very long. But when he went to Milwaukee, I still, you know, tried to keep up with with how he did there. He did okay for a couple of years. He just recently retired this past off season, so you know he's going to be out golfing for a while. So that's cool. If uh, anybody has any way of contacting him, we'd love to have him on the show. As I've well. tried. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep doing my best. But um, and then growing up, one of my favorite players was Derek Jeter. Uh, Again, just for the way he played the game, I thought. I thought he played ball the right way. He wasn't trying to be a drama queen, kind of similar to how Mike Trout, Mike Trout is now. He went out there and just played ball, played ball, played ball hard every single day, and played a played a good shortstop. Was a above average hitter for his entire career. Got to stay with the same organization for his entire career, which is awesome. There was just a lot happening there that. You know, I always just gravitated towards him. I was like, wow, I because I also played shortstop growing up a little bit, too. So I was like, oh, that, that was kind of the guy to really uh, gravitate towards uh, during my childhood. And then uh, the last one is Bob Gibson, because holy crap, Bob Gibson is he cool. is a stud, isn't he? Um, I've actually got uh, a book that was written with him and Reggie Jackson. I've actually got it signed by by Bob Gibson, which is super. Oh, cool. that's cool. Um, he's just a stud you know and the way he pitches makes me realize that pitchers nowadays are just total wusses <laughs> do you know how many games he didn't finish not many yeah he has like when he went out there he went out there to pitch and to pitch the entire game that was his goal they he changed. wanted to win and he wanted to he wanted to beat you by himself yeah and he did a lot and and the thing was is they changed the rules of the game because of the success he had. Yeah. He what was I, I can't even think of the stat. It was like one point something. But anyway, his 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 all time. Oh, it was like one point one two. Yeah. It's his like, all time record the ERA. They're like, okay, that's enough and of that. He had like twelve losses. Mm-hmm. A lot of one to nothing losses. It was so dumb. It was uh, it was crazy. Um I I do not understand it how the team behind you can just not score but that they weren't often. a bad team did they just really think that when gibson went out there they'd be like oh he'll take care of it well, and when he would give up one run they were like ah oh, crap your ace your ace got their ace that's how that usually went yeah um you know because it was kind of the same thing you started sure. every five days a lot of the pitchers went a lot deeper you know they hadn't really had the specialized bullpen yet uh, fun fact for you, my mother and father-in-law lived in Nebraska and Omaha, and they weren't that far away from where Bob Gibson lives. So they would That's drive by dope. and all that stuff, but you didn't get on his lawn. Yeah. Day off his lawn. 
And then the other Bob Gibson story I always heard was like, nobody wanted to be the guy up after the guy who hit a home run off of Bob Gibson because he was throwing at your head. (laughs) (laughs) They said, you're going to eat dirt. Yeah. Anyway. So um, so a couple comments that I want to talk about for Nick first. I really think it's cool how David Freeze gets the respect when he comes to Bush Stadium. Absolutely. I've seen him play a couple different times coming back to Bush Stadium, and I will definitely cheer for him every single time. I don't care what uniform he's in. I was not when he's beating us, but let's yeah, say I was no, I, I still will. I don't care As, if they're already up by like three or four runs and he hits a double in the gap. Cool. Congratulations. David freeze is awesome. Um, I was 16 when the Cardinals won in 2011. That's something that I'm going to be able to remember from kind of my child and young adulthood is that run and what he was able to do. So yes, every single time he's up the bat, on another team, I will stand and I will cheer for David Freeze because it's one of the coolest moments in Major League history, and I was able to see it and take it in at such a young age. It's awesome. Absolutely. Um, and then also, uh, talking to Mike, it says, Aaron kind of looks like Matt Adams. Fun fact, I actually have his shoes. <laughs> <laughs> These are his actual shoes. They are. They were personalized for him. It says big on this tongue on this shoe, and it says city on the other one, and it's got his number. Uh, I was able to purchase these shoes. Uh, there was somebody who uh, apparently used to throw bullpen for the Cardinals, like batting practice, not bullpen. He used I think to he throw was a batting teacher, practice. He was a teacher at Belleville West, if he, I remember correctly. Yeah, he used to throw BP for the Cardinals. And I guess he used to get this stuff um, on occasion, and he actually brought it in. I work at a Play It Again Sports over on the Illinois side, and he brought in these pair of shoes like a long time ago. And he actually brought in a pair of Matt Carpenter's turf shoes not very long ago. Those sold pretty quick, but I guess he just kind of gets his hands on this stuff over the years. Mm-hmm. And he I don't know why he brought it into Play It Again Sports, but they're just a pair of KDs, and they're personalized for... Matt Adams, so I have Matt Adams' shoes because they fit. Hey guys, we want to thank you so much for watching. Uh, we want to thank you for joining. We want to yeah. thank you for interacting. We and, love uh, that sort of thing. It makes our job easier. Absolutely. Thanks to uh, Mick over at Art City for letting us do this. Hopefully we can do this uh, more often. Yeah. Uh, we Yeah, we definitely love the fan interaction and Art City uh, definitely gets a good draw every time we come on here, so it's, it's been fun. Yep. I'm Brad. And I'm Aaron. And you've been listening to The Mutual Suspects. Music